Welcome to another fun filled Friday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakita McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow your Shirley on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S I D K I D 80. You can follow my Kenny McGee on the Twitter and I can also again the IG. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app wherever you get your apps because you want to know why. Because we said so, that's why. And also, so you can catch up on the other live shows that we have airing throughout the week and weekend. So, you have to miss them, you can go back and listen and watch it, watch them at the same time. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today. Speaking of Sports Zone Chicago, please find us on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, please find Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, and many of you have, but for those of you who have, have, have not had the chance to do so, now is the time. You can, you can subscribe to our podcast at War Media Podcast. That's W-A-R-R Media, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. We are on all podcast platforms, including that iHeartRadio app. And speaking of War Media, why don't you go ahead and give them a follow at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, that's at War Media, W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are all know apologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. If you have any definite opinions doing our tour or starting against what we call the Sports Talk Radio Show, you can always hit us up in the comments section at Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and or do something silly or stupid, I've given Lakina full power to give you fools to be a and be a boot. Toodles. <laughs> I love she says that. But before we, we begin, we must remind you that you also catch Sports on Chicago now available on Roku TV. That's right. So get on up, Chicago. Celebrate with the squad and get with the program. Sports on Chicago is now on Roku TV. If you already have a Roku television, just tap on the sports folder and download that Sports on Chicago app. If you don't have a Roku TV, you have some handheld devices laying around. Your iPhone, iPad, iTouch, your personal PC, or your Chromebook like I'm using right now. Just, just go to that Google Play Store. Download that Roku TV app and access Sports Zone Chicago through that avenue. So, no more excuses. Celebrate the squad and get with the program. Sports Zone Chicago is now available on Roku TV 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and seven days a week, live and on demand. Anytime, anywhere. And you know, we will provide. <laughs> provide hot hot or cold, I guess in this case, since it's hot pretty much. Yeah, very time. hot. Woo. If you keep yourselves cool, I know it's been raining in those parts. I know it rained here this morning, but you know, you keep yourself dry and cool here on Second City Sports. We've got a busy show today. We're going to talk some uh, baseball right after the break. You know, of course, Lucas Giolito has been traded to the Angels. He starts tonight. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the Cubs and, uh, you know, making uh, Jed Hoyer and Connor Hawkins' job a little bit uh, tougher. <laughs> and, you know, and all or easier. Stuff. It depends on how you look at it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that's true, too. But, yeah, and the rest of baseball. Also, kind of our buddy James Nouveau. We haven't had him in a while. The managing, mm-hmm. uh, digital managing editor from NBC Sports Chicago talk. Bears. Um, the Big Ten, as they just finished up media days, of mm-hmm. course, the uh, passing of uh, Blackhawks chairman Rocky Wirtz. And our girl, Christine Manica from KXRB, is back to talk about the latest Chicago sports happening. So let's let's, you know, let's get right to it and talk some uh, Bears and NFL. Now, of course, you know, the full, you know, 
you know, seven on seven, you know, drills that they'll actually don't do full pads till I think next week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, tomorrow. next Wednesday. Yeah. Next mm-hmm. Wednesday, they, they did go full pads. But so seven on seven, you know, some, you know, things. So, so nice. I know that uh, Justin Fields and DJ Moore have had some you know, nice, you know, a couple of nice uh, touchdown passes. I know um, Jalen Johnson broke up, broke up a couple of potential uh, TD passes in today's practices from various supposed we follow. You know, I mean, look, look, hey, look, it's great. I mean, look, seven on seven, you know, look, you want to see, this is the type of stuff you want to see. And no major injuries, you know, knock on wood. You know, we'll get to the injuries in, in a little bit. But mm-hmm. what do you think about what you've been hearing? Because, of course, you know, some of these press have been close to the public. But for what you've heard or what you've seen, are, do you like what you see or have heard so far, Sid? Well, for at least for the offensive perspective, uh, like what I've been reading and seeing and hearing, of course, Justin Fields has been working with the wide receivers uh, throughout the all season. And it looks like it's paying off early here in practice before they hit the pass next week. The one person I'm worried about in that receiving core, actually a couple. One is Chase Claypool. Of course, he the last time we were on Lakina on Monday, he was on the publish. Now uh, he, he came off that publish after we went off the air. How ironic is that? But He's in a contract year. He needs to prove a lot, not just to his teammates, but to himself. Of course, he was traded here last year for a second-round pick. So a lot is uh, riding with him on the line for him and for this Bears team. The second wide receiver, I've been talking about him for the last couple weeks, and that's Valus Jones, the second-year wide receiver out of Tennessee. Of course, he had some moments last year and not-so-hot moments. So let's see if he can take advantage of the opportunities. I'm sure you know he's going to, bar an injury, of course, he's going to get – some major run during the preseason. So hopefully you can take advantage and make the most of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what you want to see, especially, you know, like you say, he's in a contract year. And so it's going to be interesting if, if Johnson can kind of like, you know, like we talked about, so to sort of make that breakout. Bayless Jones, though, he's got a lot to prove from uh, well, from last year. So I'm more, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about it with some of the various people we talked about for on, on the Bears front. And just sort of like that thing where you wonder, like, hey, like, it, can he be kind of like that guy? And, I know that uh, Chase Cle- Chase Claypool, I should say, you know, he and DJ uh, Moore have been doing some drills, you know, from the various people we've seen, um, you know, today. And, but look, it's really hard to kind of make any you know, you know, impressions on, you know, drills and stuff like that. These aren't full padded practices. You know, they're not, you know, facing each other just yet. So, you know, you want people, you, you want guys to make sure that they're in shape, that they can, you know, sort of withstand the 17 game scheduling and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. as long as, like I said, no one gets hurt, you know, as long as, you know, guys like Justin Fields and, you know, guys like that don't get hurt, you know, Cole Clement got a sweet new contract. You know, look, that kind of stuff, I'm kind of like, okay, you know what, that's cool and everything. But like I said, but let me, let's wait and see you know, once the, you know, these guys start doing the padded practices and things like that before we kind of like make any, you know, really big impressions. Yeah, and speaking of impressions, did you check out that DJ Moore catch from Thursday's practice? I know the Bears' uh, social media staff tweeted it out. It was a nice catch. Like you say, it wasn't in pads, but still it was a nice catcher um, there during the red zone drills. And uh, Justin Fields just put the ball right at the right spot, and DJ Moore went up and got it. I almost made a 360 turn in, mm-hmm. into the end zone. It was a heck of a catch. So I can't, I cannot wait to see what DJ Moore brings to this Bears office. We talked about when he was with Carolina Lakina for the last couple of years. He was the only thing that Carolina had in terms of being a productive player on office. Now you have surrounded with other talent. Hopefully he can have a, a breakout year and make a big impression on Justin Fields in terms of when, once the games get going in September when they count for real. But I want to switch over to the defense. Of course, they uh, the secondary, as, as we said with the various guests that we had on the last couple of weeks, Preview and training camp. I like our secondary. I like Eddie Jackson. He picked off a pass yesterday in practice. 
you still have Kyler Gordon and ja- Jaquan Briscoe, both of them entering their second years in Bears uniforms. So I expect them to, to improve. But in yesterday's practice, from what I read and saw, uh, they did their thing. But, Lakina, this is going to be a, another tiring storyline mm-hmm. besides every pass that Justin Fields throws from here on out. Uh, what will GM Ryan Poles do as far as addressing a pass rusher on that defensive line? There's going to be a question until you get somebody competent in here for this year. Because and they didn't address it in the draft. Yeah, and he's been making the rounds with the various heel spots. You know, he he was on uh, ESPN Chicago. He was on the score. He's kind of he was sort of making the what they what the OGMs usually do, making the rounds and stuff. You know, various uh, local radio. And the key, I think he said, I don't, look, I said, I'm not you know, this is not verbatim what he said, but he said, look, he's keeping an option to open and kind of like mm-hmm. his eyes and ears of what's out there. Of course, you know, Chase Young's name has been even floated around and such, you know, among other names. So, yeah, I, I think, look, especially if they give uh, – the defense gives up like 250-yard rusher, I think that might be a problem, especially if they do it in the preseason. That's not a good thing. And, look, I, look at you know, Justin Jones, I'm sure, you know, he's you know kind of like has a lot to mm-hmm. prove this year. We talked about Jalen Johnson, Nauseam. A. Jackson's back from injury. I know he's in good shape, but, like, he's – but he's getting older, so it has a lot of wear and tear. So, again, I wonder, is that going to be a problem? As well, I know Brisk. We know about Brisker, what he wants to do. You know, Jack Sanborn, he's coming back from injury. You know, Tremaine Edmonds, we know he look, he's a two-time Pro Bowler, so we know what he can do in that front seven. But like you said, I mean, that 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 pass rusher or lack thereof mm-hmm. could be that that could be the big question mark for the Bears. So I'm I'm wondering is Paul is keeping his options. I know he's keeping his eyes and ears open for like various you know, sort of options that are out there. But at the same time, though, you don't want it to be like a big problem. You don't want to give up like two, a 200-yard rushing, uh, you know, 200 some yard rushing, you know, whether it's from one guy or from multiple guys on your opponent. So that, that's definitely one of the things where you don't want to kind of like be right there. It's sort of like <laughs> you don't want that to be kind of like a problem and be a glaring thing, you know, and especially with the defense that still has a lot of question marks. Yeah, but you still have a couple of guys that could be impact players on that uh, defensive line. Of course, Travis Gibson, we saw what he did in spots last year. Dominique Robinson, you know I was high on him last year, Lakina, but, you know, he had an up-and-down year. I expect him to break out hopefully in year two uh, in that system. So, But outside of those two, whoever's remaining on, on that on, on that on that line, they got to step up and make the most of their opportunities until Ryan Poles does what he has to do to ensure up a, a pass rush for that young defensive line. Because like you said, Lakina, they had problems stopping the run last year. And we knew we, well, we all saw that they couldn't get to the quarterback, but once you cannot get to the quarterback, uh, opponents can do anything what they want on offense. You saw they passed for a lot of yards on this bears, on this bears squad, and they ran the ball a hell of a lot. So that vastly has to improve. I don't need you to be top 10. That would be great, but I just need you to be competent. I don't think that's too much to ask. Well, I think that's what we want for like all the, uh, all kind of this team in, in general to be the competent, just sort of not necessarily like, you know, compete for a division, which I think they may have a shot to probably win. Like I said, seven to 10 range. I mean, look, 10 win range. I mean, look, that's the, Look, that's kind of like, I guess, the ceiling, I guess, for the Bears. We'll get to we'll talk to our buddy, uh, James Nouveau, about that in a little bit. But it, it's sort of one of those things where you're kind of like, okay, well, let, let's see how all this goes, you know, when they compete against, you know, teams and you know, compete against, you know, some of their top guys. So we'll have to see what uh, happens there. We'll talk more about that as it goes on as Lizzie Zekas A Sports. On Sports on Chicago, Keenan McGee, Cindy Brown with you. And uh, injuries and uh, paydays are kind of like been the theme here this week in trading camp. I'll start with uh, the latest injuries from uh, yesterday. Uh, cornerback Taylor Ramsey for the Dolphins, of course, he was traded there. Um, 
you know, a couple of months ago, um, yeah, has a now has a, a leg injury and left meniscus, uh, you know, kind of slight meniscus, left meniscus tear. And apparently, you know, there's really no word as to whether or not he'll be back. He could be back, you know, the beginning of the season. He could be back in the middle of the season. So there really is no, like, the question is, like, well, what's, you know, it was a non-contact injury. He, you know, carted off yesterday after practice concluded. There was some, you know, damage to the, his meniscus. So there really has been, like, the big questions. Like, they, and, they won't, and it looks like they, they won't know until they, he has surgery. He's having surgery right now as we speak. Yeah, that was a devastating injury for the Dolphins. Of course, Jalen Ramsey has been a big corner in the NFL uh, for uh, many years, going back to his days with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, of course, uh, he was one of the big difference makers when he was traded to the Rams a couple years ago, getting, getting that team a Super Bowl. So he was going to be a big part of the plans for Miami off, uh, defensively, I should say, this year. But it looks like he's going to miss at least the start of the season. How many weeks, as you said, we don't know. But – uh, the Dolphins have other questions too, i.e. the quarterback uh, to a tongue of a lova. If he stays healthy, I think the Dolphins still can make some noise and get back to the playoffs. But uh, they're going to have a tough time this year because you still have Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills right there. You have Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets right there. And of course, you have New England, which they'll probably bring up the rear. But, uh, you know, Norm Bill. Bill Belichick or Bill Belichick, as we call him on this show, uh, that team is always competitive. So uh, any major injuries to any of those teams in that division, it could change the course of that division and course of the season as well. Yeah, that's going to be the thing. So we'll have more about that. We'll probably have more. We won't have more on that till Monday. Now, another big injury that could affect the AFC North on this side here is Joe Burrow. He was carted off with a calf injury. If you saw, there was some false reports that it was a, uh, I guess it was an Achilles, but it wasn't, it was his calf. If you saw mm -hmm. the sleeve, there, he had a sleeve on that calf. So apparently he's been having trouble with that calf the last few prices that they've had. And, you know, no one's really, you know, mentioning that could, he could be back next week or whatever, but it doesn't sound like it's super serious, but he is on the contract year and he wants that big money. We'll talk about, there was another quarterback from his class that got some big money. We'll get to that after the break. But, you know, what do you think about this Burrow injury and what, what it could mean if it is a serious injury? If it's a serious injury, the season could be in flux for the Cincinnati Bengals. If Joe Burrow, if the injury is not too serious, I don't think he was going to play in the preseason anyway. But with the injury that happened yesterday, I think confirms that he was that he's not going to play in the preseason, obviously, if it's not too serious. He's your franchise player, your franchise quarterback. You want to do any and everything to protect to protect your investment, and I, I think the the regular season regular season about another five six week, weeks away. So heal up and rest up, and let's see if we can get it going on September tenth when it uh, take on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, you don't want to push yourself. So yeah, exactly. See, especially when you want to have he wants to make that big money too. So I'm sure he definitely mm -hmm. want, doesn't want to risk that. So we're gonna take a really quick break. Of course, we're gonna finish the NFL talk. Like I said, more paydays and injuries. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And of course, uh, you know, sort of an up and down uh, week for the baseball teams here in Chicago. Uh, like I said, the Cubs are making a uh, Jed Hoyer's job a little tougher. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the White Sox make the first of probably will be many uh, trades. And, you know, Choi Otani did something that I thought he already did like three or four times. We'll talk more about that <laughs> coming up next. More football and baseball coming up next. Akeem McGee, Cindy Brown, Second City Sports, Us Sports on Chicago, Gridiron, and Diamond Talk coming up right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. 
this jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks? They can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. to Second City Sports on this fun Friday, Friday fun edition. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Old Chicago. That's Lakina. I'm Sid. You can follow Elon Shuley on the Twitter or the X. I guess that's what Elon Musk is calling it these days. So oh, good grief. But anywho, you can follow Elon Shuley on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. And you follow Lakina McGee. On the Twitter X, I guess we're, we're going to call it, I guess, for right now. <laughs> and Aquino's coming in the IG. The Twitter X. <laughs> we have less than 85 minutes left for this extravagance. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or, co or comments for us, 
You can always hit us up in the comment section at Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or Sports Zone Chicago YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comment section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. All right, Sid. Let's uh, put a cap. I don't want not a cap, but finish up our uh, NFL talk here. Some uh, big money uh, signings happening here. We teased a little bit about it before the break. Justin Herbert, the Chargers QB, got a five-year, two hundred sixty-two and a half million dollar extension that ties him to the franchise through twenty twenty-nine. And I believe the number I'm trying to think is the. Uh, I think that the, the guarantee money is like 160 or 70. I might be wrong. You know, you got to double check on that for me. Uh, yeah, he already has like over 14,000, almost 14,100 uh, passing yards, which is the most through a player's first three seasons in NFL history. His 94 TD pass and that span are the second most in NFL history, four behind Dan Marino. And he also holds the Chargers single season records for passing yards and passing TDs. Also, two, um, Take on Bark, he gets a one-year uh, deal worth up to eleven million dollars. Around there's a lot of incentives tied to that, tied to that deal. So, and they actually franchise tag him again. I'm talking about the Giants, the Giants running back. So, what do you think mm-hmm. about these signings and all, and the, and the money and all that? Well, we'll start with Justin Herbert first for the L.A. Chargers. He's one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, and you saw that the Chargers uh, were led in. Uh, got themselves in the playoffs last year uh, due to large part of Justin Herbert. Hopefully that offensive line can keep him upright because they had trouble doing it, especially around this time last mm-hmm. year as he was banged up and he had bad ribs for, for a while. But you know, on the flip side, it showed his toughness and what he did for that team. Yeah, their head coach, Brandon Staley, on the, on the hand, um, uh, crapped down his pants, but we won't go through that uh, scenario again. But uh, congratulations to Justin Herbert. He deserved that money. And uh, it sets the precedence for future quarterbacks to come, like Joe Burr, as we mentioned in our last segment from Cincinnati. Of course, Justin Fields here in Chicago, hopefully in a couple years. And when he asks for his extension, hopefully when he, uh, if the team and his play improves, uh, he'll be next in line as well. So, We'll see what happens with that. Now with Saquon Barkley, he said he had an epiphany of uh, uh, sitting out for the year. If he did, he of course, he would have been technically healthy, but he would have missed playing football, Lakina, and it would have cost him more money in the future. So uh, get it, even though the, him and the Giants couldn't come to agreement uh, as far as a long-term deal, he's betting on himself. And like I said, a lot of centers in that contract. So as long as he stays healthy, I think he'll be fine this year. And as far as uh, – him being on the field with Daniel Jones. As we said last year, Lakina will say it again. Without Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones doesn't do what he did last year and getting his own big payday. Yeah, exactly. So, and it'll be interesting. You know, the uh, epiphany of losing money. Yeah, that's some, some, some epiphany, I, I think. You know, I think that yeah. you don't want to lose money. So, yeah, I think that was probably smart on his part. Look, you know, do this kind of like a prove a deal. So, look, you know, get mm-hmm. those incentives, you know, maybe get you a big contract, whether it's the Giants or anybody else. The Herbert deal, I mean, look, very deserving. He's definitely earned it. Like you said, they need to keep yeah, the old line for the Chargers. He's to keep him upright this year. That's been the problem. He had him kind of like running. He's not really a mobile guy, so that could be a problem. And I think, you know, for Coach Staley, they, I think he's definitely on the hot seat for sure, after, especially after what happened in that uh, in that wild card round against the Jags last year. So mm-hmm. before they were the Chargers, Jags the lead. But, you know, we won't rehash that. But, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens. Yeah, well, we'll talk some more NFL uh, later on with our girl, uh, Christine Manga, because, yeah, there's a guy, a veteran, speaking of running backs, there is a guy out there that visited the Jets, and they may not let him out the building. We'll get to that in a little bit but uh let's talk switch gears here talk some diamond talk some baseball and uh the cubs uh we'll start with the cubs i mean the cubs over the week you know they, they beat 
the White Sox in both their meetings, including uh, being down seven to two. Sorry, Sid. Uh, with the White Sox, uh, well, you know, like I said, a lot that had to do with uh, you know Joe Kelly um, dropping third strikes and you know hitting guys and all that. But we won't have that. They did take uh, the first game of four gamer in St. Louis um, yesterday, and like I said, making a uh, Jed Hoyer and Connor Hawkins' jobs a little bit tougher. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, what do you think? I mean, you know, I know. Look, I'm not look. I'm not going to say that the Cubs are going to win the World Series. I'm not saying that at all. Well, I what I am saying is that look, they're only about what four and a half back in the Central, the NL Central. It, it it's very doable. It's yeah, very I, doable. I think mean, I know there have been people say, "Well, hey, look, you know, trade." Well, I know Sean hasn't. I think he has like an eight ERA since London. I don't know. I don't know. You, you may not want to trade him, but Bellinger's, especially with Otani not being on the market. We'll talk about that in, in a you know a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, Bellinger's now that could be the hot guy. And look, it's doable. I look, I know look, I'm not gonna say they're gonna win the World Series, but I would say go for a division. I know how I don't know how you feel about it. I know there have been folks that say, hey, you know, trade trade Bellinger to get something back. Like uh, you know, well, we'll talk we'll talk we'll ask James about that in uh in a few minutes. But what what do you what do you think about the Cubs this weekend, what they should do? Uh, first of all, they're uh, on a six-game winning streak, and they're taking advantage of the softest part of the schedule right now. And what, what we said here last week, last Monday, Lakina, this was going to be the most important stretch uh, at that time, the most important week uh, of the season for the Cubs. As in, in that seven-game home set, I said they couldn't do no worse than five five wins out of out, out of the seven home games. They went five and two. They took care of the White Sox earlier this week, and of course, they hammered the Cardinals uh, last night. Desmi Swanson has made a big difference in that lineup ever since he returned from his injury. Uh, you look at Ian Happ; he's trying to pick it up again. We'll get to him in just a moment after what the foolishness that happened last night. But it looks like he's starting to pick it up uh, offensively. He needs to do that. He's brought the defense, but that offense has been uh, MIA so far this year. Marcus Storm, as you mentioned, uh, he's been struggling since London, but I think he's going to. Through a tough stretch, but I still like to have him on our on, on not ooh, good grief. Almost almost did the sin. But if you're a Cubs fan, you like to have him on your on your squad because he's a top pitcher. He's been there before. He, he knows what to do. Cody Bellinger had a great series uh, over the week uh, last weekend against the Colonels. He had a great two-game series against the against the White Sox. He and the couple had a couple more hits last night. So he's starting to pick it up as well. So uh, this this Cubs team is taking advantage of other teams' mistakes. You saw that last night against the Cardinals. You saw that against a, a bad White Sox team, and like like we said, Lakina uh, uh, on our show last Monday, I thought that Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins had their minds made up as far as selling off some pieces like Cody Bellinger, Marcus Stroman. Now with this current six game winning streak and you four and a half back, you have no choice. Technically, they can still do it, but technically, but. Right now, with this team surging, they're doing what they're supposed to do. You have no choice but to be responsible and add to this team. Like it's, like we said, they need a third baseman. I don't know if they're going to get that, but they definitely could use another start, but they definitely need bullpen help. Definitely need a couple of middle relief guys if you can. Because mm-hmm. They definitely need that. And, you know, Azalea's been one of the few bright spots. You know, Mark Leiter Drew has been up and down. So, you, you know, you got to think that, look, especially if you're trying to go for a look, they're five and a half back, so – you still got a lot of games left. You got Cincinnati coming up early next week. You, you got some. You already got games coming against the Brewers, so you really need to. You owe it to the you know to your fans to at least try and go for mm-hmm. it. Look, I, I I get it. You know you want to try to get some some you know, pieces for for Bellinger. You know, he's going to be the hot you know bat on the market, but you know it's just 
you know, it's doable. I mean, look, no one's you know pulling away from that division. So like, you, know, mm-hmm. you, you look, you do what you're supposed to do with yourself as part of your schedule because it's gonna get get tougher after this uh this game against uh this, this series against the Cardinals, I should say. So, so let's talk about what happened yesterday because I was kind of going back and forth from some of the <laughs> and it was it was just like you know it set it up for the folks who missed it because this was just like really this is just you know just really just as astonishing to me. But uh, go ahead. Yeah, in the first inning, yeah. In the first inning, Ian Happ accidentally hit uh, Wilson Contreras, a one-time cup, uh, in the back. I think it was a, a side of the head uh, in his catcher's mask, and uh, Contreras had to exit the game. Yep. Um, McCullough, if you that's how you say his name, uh, the starting pitcher for the Cardinals, he took it personally. And and when the, the next time that Ian Happ came up to the plate, I don't know what kind of pitch that was, mm-hmm. but usually if you're going to beat somebody, you're just being in the back of the – uh, the butt cheeks with a fastball, right. but I don't know if that was a Bugs Bunny curveball or I don't know what the hell that was, but he hit Ian Happen after the umpires, uh, umpires gathering for the little conference or whatever. They decided to throw uh, uh, throw Mr. Mikolas, if you say, Mikolas out the game, and rightfully so. It's like, really? 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 That was just dumb within itself. So he got what he deserved. And that Cardinals team guy would have deserved last night. Minus Wilson yeah. Contreras. Yeah, that was just, that was an accident. I mean, look, they they're they're buddies. You know, they go back to the win in 2016 when they won the World Series. So I think it's just silly to say that you know they oh he got plumped in it. It's just it's just silly. But yeah, Mikolas, I mean, definitely deserved that. You know, to get to get ousted there. You know, Chip Carey, uh, who was calling who's been calling the games for the Cardinals, I think he was just like, oh, how dare they have to do that. You know, that, that? That was just a dirty play. But he didn't mean to do that, Chip. Come on now. And look, look your, your grandfather called Cubs games for years, so and he ain't the Cardinals. So, like, you know, go figure with with that whole thing. But, you know, like, I don't know. But it was a little bit yeah. nutty. But, yeah, hopefully they can keep it up. I'll talk about the, uh, talk about the Cubs against the Cardinals. Um, you know, win the rest of your series against them. You know, try to get, you know, maybe gain a game or two. I know we'll like we'll talk the rest of that about being a second, but it's definitely you know comes having one of the hottest teams in baseball. On the flip side, though, for the White Sox, I mean they win their you know they lose I should say they're uh, sorry about that they lose their first game against the Guardians after at six to three, and this after you know trading Lucas Giolito to the Cardinals and Ronaldo Lopez I should also too to the Cardinals I want to forget about Mr. Lopez to the uh, to the Angels I should say for a couple of their top prospects and it'll be interesting we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the trade this second but you know these last few nights I mean it is just like I, I don't know what else you can say about the Sox at this point they you know gave up the, the pitch gave up 13 hits they had three errors it was just uh, again another game that was the microcosm of the Sox season so there you go yeah, you're talking about Tuesday and Wednesday's games against the Cubs. You are absolutely correct. Um, I was there on Tuesday. Michael Kopech, he kind of settled down, but the first couple of innings, he looked like crap. Lance Lynn, we'll get to him in a minute because he has some words. It looks like he may be out the door right now. He has some words to say about the White Sox organization. Like I said, we'll get to him in a second. But he looked like uh, garbage uh, on Wednesday. Started off okay, but uh, he showed his uh, ugly self. But well, the Michael Krasnum of the Sox season, uh, Johan Makata, he was inches away from a grand slam. Of course, Seiya Suzuki of the Cubs made a great catch. Uh, yep, he made a great catch. So the White Sox uh, so far this season, they had the chances to win their share of ball games. They just can't do it. I'm not going to say that whole team is dead because there are some individuals that are still playing hard, i.e. Jake Berger. 
i.e. Tim Anderson to a lesser extent because he may be on his way out the door. We'll talk about it in a minute. But there's still a few guys that are still playing hard. But as a team, as we said before, that just the chemistry is just not right. And and you you have to shake it up. And I think this is the first domino to fall with that Lucas Gio, Lucas Giolito trade that, that was announced after Wednesday night's loss to the Cubs. Yeah, well, we got to talk a little bit more about that Gio trade. I, you know, they trace the an- Angels, he and Ruminado Lopez both. And, you know, they, they get one of their top prospects, you know, for uh, I'm talking about uh, the talks to. They get uh, Edgar, uh, Edgar Guerrero and also uh, Kai Bush. And uh, I think, I think, uh, Quero is like think what like number two or something like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and one of the top prospects, and also Kai Bush is like right up there as well. So you know, Rick Hahn actually did pretty well for this trade. We'll see. I'm sure there's going to be more coming within these next few days. We get closer, closer to the first. So it's going to be interesting to see what you know what names are going to be moved. I mean, we we'll, we'll talk about the Lance Lynn stuff. And it's just like, oh, I, someone's gonna yeah, someone's on a very good mood right now, and uh, I know that there have been various names being thrown around for. Um, for him, I know you said he has. I know uh, Lynn has said that he hasn't had any communication with the White Sox front office about the about trades. You know, take that as you will. But you know, back to this. But like, what do you think about this? The, this Giolito uh, Lopez trade. On the surface, uh, Rick kind of has a is now going into the fast track of rebuilding that farm system. They still have a lot of work to do, but at least he's gone out to the good start. At least on the paper, will we see either of those gentlemen in the White Sox uniform in the next couple of years? I don't, I don't know, but we'll see. But they definitely addressed some needs there. On the flip side, for the Angels, they get a, a proven starter in Gito Lito. He goes back home. He he can eat up some innings, and that's. That's one of the things that the Angel, that LA Angels team desperately needs. And you get Ronaldo Lopez, a former starter. He's your perfect male relief guy, and he could eat up some innings out of that bullpen as well. Just don't put him as a setup guy and definitely do not have him close because we all saw what happened early in the season. He does have some good stuff, but you got to have a special mentality to close, and not everyone has that. So I think on the surface, the, the trade is good for the L.A. Angels. Uh, they're three games behind Toronto for that wild card. Of course, they start off a series north of the border tonight with Lucas Giolito making his debut as an L.A. Angel. So we'll see what happens with that. But for the Angels, it is it, showing me and it's showing their fans that one, they're not going to trade Shohei Otani. Number two, they're telling him and everybody else who's who pay, who's paying attention that the LA Angels are going all in to try to make the playoffs. So don't forget, Mike Trout is still injured right now, so he could be back before season end. If let me repeat, if the Angels are still in the in the wild card race, yeah. So well, and you'll talk about Otani for a second. He's the first player to throw. Yesterday, he became the first player to throw a shutout in one game of a doubleheader and then hit a home run in the other game of the doubleheader. And he also had a complete game, which is the first, first complete game. So that, that I thought he had like maybe three or four of those already. He's also became the first player to throw a shutout and hit two home runs mm-hmm. on the same day. He had to go back to Sunday Seaver back in 1971. Suddenly, I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm all out of like, you know, adjectives and superlatives to talk about Mr. Otani. So... You know, there's going to be a lot of teams, you know, the Angels say, like, oh, we're going for it. So, and I commend them for that. But it's just interesting to see, especially with that Toronto series. You know, that's going to be a tough series for them in Toronto. So, they they have their own, uh, you know, things they want to do, too. I'm talking about Toronto does. We'll get to – let's talk about the rest of the MLB. What caught your eye this week? Uh, if I got Brandon Schutz is still uh, listening, um, you're Houston Astros, my man. Uh, they take two out of three against the Texas Rangers. The Rangers won the last game of that series, avoiding the sweep. Uh, as we said before, the Houston Astros are um, are going through with injuries right now. Listen, they have a 
at least, well, they have a couple of people re potentially returning by this weekend, Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve. So they can definitely help out the Houston office some more. As we said before, the Houston Astros, going if they want to get back in this AL West race, they got to do it with their bats. So far, they've been doing that. And they put up a couple of uh, double-digit spots against the Texas Rangers uh, in the first two games of, uh, of that first uh, couple of games of that series before Texas did it to them on Wednesday. Uh, and there was a couple almost fisticuffs in that series as well as uh, mm -hmm. as we said, the Rangers are feeling the heat, no pun intended. And so it, the the AL West race is going to come down to the wire, in my opinion. For those of you that counted out the Astros, uh, you got another thing coming because uh, they've been uh, Texas, uh, I think, four out of the last six times they played. So yep. uh, it, it's going to be interesting uh, as we're now going to enter the dog days of summer coming up next week, entering the month of August. So it looks like Houston's starting to turn it around. Let's see if they make any acquisitions at the trade deadline. I know Texas is looking for another bull bullpen guy. Uh, I know they picked up a, a Dulles Chapman from the mm -hmm. Kansas City Royals uh, a couple of months ago. So he's definitely helped that bullpen. So uh, the AL, AL West race, you thought it was over? The Houston Astros said, eh, not so fast. Nah, no, no, no. Uh, and all, but also, too, you know, going back to Toronto, I mean, they, they went two out of three against the Dodgers, kind of getting them back into the – Get back into not, not only in the uh the, the the wild card but also in the east because they're only five and a half back. I know Baltimore and uh, Tampa both had like kind of like up and down weeks this week, so they can kind of sneak in there and go mm -hmm. like, hey, hey, remember us? So they can kind of make things interesting in that in uh, that division too. And, and look, it's going to be interesting because you know they actually <laughs> you know they channeled their inner Ted Lasso in that uh, that rubber match against the Dodgers. Yeah. They, they're routing them eight to one. They took two out of yeah. three. And just a you know Boba Shed, I think had a really great series. Um, I think I, I think Vladdy uh, Jr. had a, a really good series as well. I know George Springer had a couple of big hits in that series mm -hmm. as well. Matt Chapman has very solid uh, series too. So style in that series so they're, they're making things very interesting in the al east the blue jays are yeah and going to back to the al west uh your seattle mariners are two games over 500 yay, yay. <laughs> 52 and 50 they take two out of three for the minnesota twins and so they're they're still in the race and we talk about the al central being hot garbage which it still is uh the nl central you could say that as well uh, the Milwaukee Brewers took care of the Cincinnati Reds this week, winning their series uh, up there in Miller Park. I'm not calling it that new name. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, unfortunately, the Milwaukee Brewers and the Cincinnati Reds they don't play any, they don't play each other don't anymore, anymore this year. Nope. Uh, yeah, so the Milwaukee took ten out of thirteen games from Cincinnati this year. So, as I said before, for the Reds, uh, they need to make a move at the deadline. I'm not saying mortgage your future, but they need a veteran starter or a veteran guy in that bullpen. More so for a starter, in my opinion, we'll see what they can do because the young team is still growing and adjusting to the pressure for Milwaukee. Can you get a big bat or can you get another strong arm in your starting rotation? Yeah. We'll see what happens with them. Yeah, they need another starter. If nothing else, talk about the Brewers and all the Reds. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that low one thought that the Reds would probably be up there, especially this early. But again, we'll see. They can kind of keep it up. I think they're starting to kind of run out of your little gas a little bit. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. Again, yeah, my Mariners. Um, they had, you know, a couple of games back. This is on Wednesday. They had lost 580 straight road games when trailing by four plus runs. They were down five in the eighth, and they ended up came and they came back and won that game. They last won 
such a game against the, the White Sox all the way back in 1991. That's the first year of the new Comiskey Park. <laughs> that streak ended on <laughs> Wednesday. So, you know, a nice, you know, nice little showing there for uh, the Mariners. Now, the 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 Marlins, um, you know, going back, going to the eight, uh, NLEs, I should say, the Marlins made a nice trade. They traded, uh, they say their division, they traded uh, for David Robertson, I guess, Death taxes and David Roberts again traded the veteran, of course, the veteran reliever. He's you know staying in the division. I'm a little surprised that the Mets decided to do that by you know trading him in the division, but okay, you know trading him to the Marlins, and it's just one of those things where they definitely need like that veteran, um, you know, reliever help, and I think that's been really one of the things that that's definitely kind of killed the Marlins. So I think they're going forward as well. They're still they're kind of within a striking distance, you know, in the uh, the NL wild mm-hmm. card. So that's probably why they decided to make this move. But I guess I don't know the Mets are doing the white flag thing, but you know I guess it could be a nice little pick. I'm talking about the about Robertson, so you know we'll see. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how all this kind of like you know how this manifests. Yeah, and saying saying with the NL East race, of course Atlanta they get swept by Boston at Fenway Park uh, earlier this week. Mm. Uh, but uh, I think they'll still be fine. The Philadelphia Phillies, as we said a month ago, Lakina, watch out for them here. They come and look what happens. They take two out of three at home against Baltimore. Yeah, so that's definitely a nice little, uh, nice little confidence boost there. Of course, also the Giants mm-hmm. um, after losing uh, that makeup game against Detroit and also, of course, getting swept by the Nationals. They did come back and uh, do what they're supposed to and uh, sweep that two-gamer in that Bay Area series against Oakland. So that should help. Just with the doctor order. <laughs> yeah, that's a little, kind of like a little, like, little give me. I know uh, Gabe Kaplan uh, said it uh, yesterday, last night. After that was definitely something that they really needed, especially after losing those uh, four straight. So definitely help them out a little bit there. And let's see anything else. You we we, covered, we talked about Houston and Tech and uh, Texas. Um, mm-hmm. Great. I think we covered pretty much everything in the. Uh, there there was a lot of offense yesterday. And I, I mean, you know, offense as in like this is like the first there were four multi home run games on one in one day with five or fewer games played from context. There have been like about five thousand days in MLB history where five or fewer games were played and they had like that many home runs. So there's been a lot of offense uh these last few weeks. And I guess you know the dog did so you have a good need to keep everyone entertained. Yep, and the weather's heating up as well. Uh the Cleveland Indians, uh, of course, they took the first Guardians. game of the four game uh Guardian. Oh, Guardians, sorry. Uh, the Guardians took the first uh, first of four games, as Lakina mentioned last night, as they beat the White Sox 6-3. But they took care of the Kansas City Royals at home early this week, taking two out of three. As we said about the NL Central, the AL Central is hot garbage as well. And Cleveland, just like the White Sox, was struggling with injuries this year, so they're really trying to keep up. We'll see what they do at the trade deadline. Because remember, Lakina, last year they did not make a single move. They won a division over the White Sox and won a wild card series over Tampa before getting blasted in the division round by the Yankees. Yeah, that was a bad uh, taste there. Well, and we'll see. Look, they're like right there in that uh, and one. They're one and a half back against the Twins, and they actually do play a lot. They do play a lot of each other in these last like seven weeks of the season. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they may they may do. They definitely need some bullpen help and some extra an extra arm. Talk about the, uh, the the Guardians. So the bitches see what they do. And also the Twins. I mean, look, they can always use another starter. The Twins. So. Yeah. Excuse me, they desperately need a starter. So we'll definitely see. Like, we'll see. I mean, look, we are, we're, it's, it's going to be the 31st when we come back on Monday. We'll, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of trades. You know, they might be coming fast and furious. So we'll keep you guys updated mm-hmm. on that. So as we're doing the scheduling, schedule, schedule time for uh this weekend and uh no peacock games. I, you know, I think they're, I think they're, I don't think they're, no, they, we have a peacock game this week. 
Oh, there is. Oh, well, oh, 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 Apple TV Plus. That's what I meant to say. My bad. I, Apple yeah, TV we have an, at least one tonight. Yeah, we have one tonight, and that's the Cleveland Guardians and the Chicago White Sox. That's at six ten p.m. So for all you White Sox and Guardians fans, you can watch that game live if you have Apple TV Plus. Of course, note that start time for the White Sox game tonight. That's at six ten p.m. because there's a Jake Owen Country Music Star concert oh, okay. following the game. Oh, okay, yeah, because I don't have it on. They don't have it on the Peacock Network. I mean, I mean, Apple TV Plus on here, so I don't know what. I don't okay. know what happened with that. Yeah, I'm looking right at it, but yeah, thank you, Sid. You see the, the assist from my buddy here, Sid. There, um, Detroit <laughs> and Miami. <laughs> Detroit and Miami. They start their series. Um, the Yankees and the Orioles. That should be a fun series. You know, the Yankees def- desperately, and and I think Aaron Judge should be back. I think this weekend. So hopefully, you know, hopefully they can definitely get a little bit of a spark there. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, Battle of Pennsylvania. Uh, we talked about it, the Angels in Toronto will be G Leader versus uh, Kevin Gossman. That should be a, a fun mm-hmm. matchup there. Um, Washington and New York, Milwaukee and Atlanta, uh, Minnesota and Kansas City. Minnesota and Kansas City. Okay, finishing on the rest of that weekend series here. Uh, Tampa Bay at Houston, the Cubs and the Cardinals continue their four game weekend series down in Missouri. We have Oakland and Colorado, Seattle at Arizona, Texas at San Diego, Cincinnati at L.A. to take on the Dodgers, and the Red Sox will take on the San Francisco Giants. And your national TV games for this weekend, they got Detroit and Miami, uh, the FS1 game of the week. That's going to be at 310 tomorrow. And the uh, regional coverage on Fox, you got Boston, Boston at the Giants. (laughs) And uh, Tampa Bay and Houston, and I think you're gonna. I think the the, the Chicago Arrows will get that game. I'm not gonna say Tampa Bay and Houston. Mm-hmm. That should be a a fun series. And the Peacock game. This should be fun. Definitely gonna be uh, checking this game out. The Angels and uh, the Blue Jays game three of that series. And your Sunday night game of the week. Uh, ESPN. You got the Yankees and the Orioles. That should be a fun uh, finish of the series. Okay. Uh, just a correction, Lakina, folks in the Chicagoland area, which is us, will get the Yankees at Baltimore. So that's your Fox Edit baseball game of the week for this area. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for more sports and more fun as Second City Sports continues with James Navoe of NBC Chicago and Christine, the Queen Manica of KXRB. You're listening to Sports Zone Chicago. my lane? No, not at all. Are you not paying attention? Are you texting? I was just checking in with my mom. I was telling her that I thought we'd be home by six. It's okay. There's enough time. Just pay attention. I'm not even halfway through my text. There's no way. I'm not even going to look up. My babies are in the car. You have to pay attention. It's supposed to be a quick text. I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DoDEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference. 
Welcome back to our number two of Second City Sports on a fun Friday, Friday fun edition. We're live in the color right here on Sports Old Chicago. I'm Sid, that's Lakina. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter X and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You follow me at Kina McGill on the Twitter and at X and at Kina McGill on the IG. Easy for me to say. We have less than an hour left of this extravaganza we call a Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, especially for our next guest, you can hit us up in the comment section at Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comment section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. And just a daily reminder, you can catch Sports Zone Chicago also now available on Roku TV. All right, so let's get right to it. It's been a while since we had him on. Of course, we're happy to have him back. Uh, of course, we're going to talk good, kind of sort of the spectrum here. Of course, you can catch him. Uh, you read his stuff on NBC Sports Chicago. He is the managing digital editor there. He is the one, the only, the fabulous Mr. James Nouveau. James, what's up, dude? How are you? I just keep hearing the promotion and my title at NBC. That's awesome. And you guys are right. It has been far too long. I'm so happy to be back with you both. Yes, same here. Same here, Sid. Uh, you got the first question for Mr. Nuvo. Uh, well, we'll start off with college football. Of course, you were there with our with our guy, Tony Gill, your colleague over at NBC Sports Chicago. Of course, uh, the big storyline, oh, story no, not we're talking about Ohio State's quarterback uh, battle, but uh, the Northwestern Wildcats and their hazing football scandal, which looks like a tendency uh, uh, stories continue to grow in lawsuits by the, the day. But what was the atmosphere like in Indianapolis? And and now interim coach uh, Dave, uh, um, David Braun, he it looks like he was caught obviously like like a caught like a deer in headlights of and trying to handle and all this. So what was that feel around uh, Indianapolis as he was trying to uh, feel questions from from you guys in the media? 
I, I mean, I think you summed it up really well, Sid. I think that uh, Coach Braun definitely uh, was not expecting to be kind of uh, thrust into this position when he took the job of defensive coordinator with the Wildcats back in January. Um, he mentioned that frequently during both his introductory press remarks and then later on in the day when he had kind of a side session on one of the other podiums there in Indianapolis. And I think that the big takeaway that I had from that was kind of what I did expect him to do, which was to focus on the football team and try to talk exclusively about football rather than the allegations themselves. He definitely did that. I think that maybe what surprised me a little bit more is that there wasn't more of a leadership presence from the school itself there in Indianapolis. Um, the players, of course, uh, did opt out of participating. He did uh, talk to them about that and said that it had been the players' decision. They wanted to focus on football. So I think that that was kind of expected. But I would have thought that the athletic director, Derek Gregg, or perhaps the uh, university president, Michael Schill, would have made a little bit more of an appearance out there in Indianapolis just to make sure that David Braun wasn't the only one fielding questions about this, was not here when most of these alleged activities were taking place. Um, I thought that under the circumstances, he addressed those questions as best he could. I mean, there are certainly little things you can kind of quibble with his uh, the way he still spoke almost referentially about uh, Pat Fitzgerald. I thought that was kind of noteworthy, but though for the most part for kind of being put in a position he didn't really anticipate being in when he came over from North Dakota State I thought that he acquitted himself well and now the question is whether or not uh, he'll be able to continue to do that and whether he'll actually be given kind of the free reign to remake this program in kind of the way that he kind of anticipates that he wants to do yeah James that whole thing I mean I saw a little bit of the Big Ten media day and look he he did what he could I mean you know, he, he kind of, you saw the slow at beads of sweat on the top of his head. I mean, that, that poor guy, he was just like, kinda, you know, didn't you know, think he would actually deal with this. So what do you think is going to happen to the program? I know they're, they're not, they're not going to pause, obviously, because they're getting you know, too close to the season. You're only just like about a month away. But, you know, can you see them perhaps maybe, you know, I don't want to say forfeiting or pausing, but do you think that maybe is there a chance that maybe this could, you know, the distraction of everything, could they perhaps maybe, you know, pause the program? Like, I, I don't know. What do you think? I, I do not think that there will be a pause to the program, at least not right now. It definitely seems as though they want to go all systems go for the football season. I think the one thing you could potentially see the breaks applied to a little bit is the Ryan Field uh, renovation project. They were going to tear down the stadium, build a new one on the site in Evanston, was already facing opposition. But I think that with everything that's been going on around the athletic program and with some donor dollars at stake, I do think that they are going to hit the pause button on that. I think the football team itself is going to continue to play. Um, we may still see some more uh, decommitments de from recruits. I think that could potentially still happen when the transfer portal opens back up. I am curious whether players are going to uh, leave Evanston uh, because of this situation. I think that the main thing they're trying to focus on right now is just getting ready for the regular season. That first game against Rutgers, they want to, you know, that they want that to be an us against the world type of thing, right? That's kind of how David Braun framed it, framed it as adversity that they were going to overcome. You can question whether or not that uh, framing is uh, appropriate, considering that there are multiple coaches still on the staff that may be implicated in some of this hazing. There are still players who may have overseen some of it. I think that those questions will all still need to be answered. But in terms of a pause of the program itself, I don't think that's going to happen. But those kind of extra projects like the Ryan Field renovation, definitely expecting that to kind of take a backseat right now. 
We're still starting to see the effects of the Northwest uh, scandal with the hazing scandal affecting a, a couple other programs in the Big Ten. I'll start with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. I like P.J. Fleck personally. I remember watching him play 20-some uh, years ago at Northern Illinois, but he's one of those uh, fiery guys. Of course, he's the head coach of the uh, Golden Gophers, of course. That team uh, didn't quite – they still had a good year, but they were supposed to take the next step, and they didn't. But now there are some stories coming out of his program about uh, – but, but uh, potential hazing and things along that line. What could you? Uh, what did you gather up from uh, talking to people around that program during media day? We actually got to speak to to PJ Flack yesterday morning on the Big Ten Country podcast before he gave his uh, first address to the media, and the messaging stayed very consistent throughout the day, which was that these allegations are baseless that were raised in the front office sports article um, using workouts as punishment, similar to uh, what Northwestern's baseball program was accused of doing. There were several other accusations levied in the report. I'm not going to get into those specifically just because, of Mm -hmm. course, these all have to be adjudicated, but folks can read the journalism from front office sports about this and kind of draw their own conclusions. What I will say is that P.J. Flack and those around him in the Minnesota program have all said that the allegations are baseless. All of the players reiterated how much they think the culture at Minnesota has improved under P.J. Fleck and how much they love playing for him to a man. They all said that. I'm sure there's, you know, elements that you can get into with that, you know, worried about your scholarships, et cetera. You're probably not going to say, you know, negative things about the program when you're at Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis. But I do think that it was noteworthy how quickly the university moved to say, look, we've looked into things in the past. We keep a very close eye on the football program and nothing untoward has happened. I, I think that it's interesting that they they chose to phrase it that way, right, that they look into these things frequently. It's like, why are you such under constant surveillance is kind of the the vibe you get. However, I will say, like I said, that these allegations, they merit further investigation. The school says they have looked into them. I'm just I think we're in kind of a wait and see pattern specifically with that. But I think P.J. Fleck has always been a person who is going to kind of rub some people the wrong way based on, as you said, Sydney, his just intense personality. That's very much part of his ethos. And I think that that's it's worth monitoring for sure. But for right now, it seems like the university is confident that they have uh, P.J. Fleck in a good place. They just gave him a contract extension. And I think they're going to uh, just move forward as these uh, potential you know, allegations keep coming up. Yeah, let's get to like on the field stuff, you know, potential on the field <laughs> stuff, you know, James, as we talk about all, all this stuff, you know, do all this stuff, you know, so it's kind of depressing me. But, you know, Ryan did actually did say, say some things that was pretty interesting in, during the, the media day where he did say that he wants to like, move the big games, you know, I'm talking about the Ohio State-Michigan game to outside of, you know, I guess it's the last Saturday of the regular season, you know, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, as it's been forever. And mm-hmm. apparently, you know, I guess he wants to move it. This sounds like a guy who has lost two to row against Michigan, just saying. So what do you think? <laughs> do, you think do you think they'll, they'll move it? Do you think, especially with UCLA and USC coming in next uh, next year, what do you think? Are they going to move it? Do you, do you think, what do you think is going to happen? Okay, so, Lakina, I think the thing to keep in mind here is that the reason that this is becoming such an issue is because the Big Ten is moving away from divisional play, right? They are only going to have the top two schools go up against each other in the championship game, and so that's on everybody's mind, right? Like, would Michigan-Ohio State, would they have to play back-to-back weeks? The thing I wonder is when they expand the playoff to 12 teams, there's certainly a possibility that if Ohio State and Michigan were to split those two games – 
that they could potentially have to play each other again in the playoffs three times, be three times <laughs> in one college season. And so I think that it's realistic to discuss this. And Jim Harbaugh was asked about this. Ryan Day was asked about this. I asked Blake Corum about this, the running back from Michigan, to a man they all basically said iterations of the exact same thing, which was, we will play this game whenever it is on our schedule. It does not matter to us when this game is. The people it matters to are the fans, television networks, and advertisers. Those are the three groups that this game, the timing of it matters to people. And I think that the way they're going to look at it is very similar to the way like the Big 12 looked at it when they got rid of the divisional format out of necessity, of course, because they lost teams. But they still had that possibility that, say, like an Oklahoma and an Oklahoma State would have to play two weeks in a row, right? Like that was the kind of thing that they invited but they also knew that there are other teams in this conference that could potentially get into that championship game. And so while that is a very real possibility of playing back-to-back weeks, tell that to USC, tell that to Penn State, tell that to Maryland, tell that to these teams that think that they have what it takes to potentially get into that game. And I don't think they're going to move one of the biggest traditions in college football just because of the possibility that Michigan and Ohio State would have to play two weeks in a row. I get the sense they'll keep it right where it is. And I think that when you add USC into that mix, I think that it's going to really impact the competitive balance of the Big Ten. And I don't think it's going to just be year after year of those two schools facing off in back-to-back weeks. Another surprise team that did well in the Big Ten last year, even though they struggled down the stretch, and that's the fighting Illini. I know head coach Brett Bilma is still feeling good about his squad going into this year. James, of course, I know he lost a few guys uh, to the NFL, but what was the sense around uh, around him as you talked with him along with some of your other media uh, colleagues this week about what was, what's the expectations for the fighting Illini this year? Because last year they were the Hunters. Now this year they'll be the Hunted. Yeah, I got to talk to Keith Randolph, got to talk to Johnny Newton, got to talk to Isaiah Williams, all of whom could potentially be drafted in the next year, all really anticipate being drafted in the next year. Heck, Johnny Newton could be another first-round pick for the Illini at the defensive tackle spot. And I think that the one thing that they all preached, and this includes Brett Bielema, is that they weren't satisfied with the way last season ended. A lot of people point to the fact they were seven and one at one point in the season. You know, they lost Devin Witherspoon to the NFL. I feel like those types of things, people are going to look at those as like, well, they can't possibly get back to that level again after the losses they've incurred, et cetera. I think that what they're looking at is, look, we are a fairly consistent program. We're one of the programs that get has been affected the least by transfers out of the program. Like, yes, they did add Luke Altmaier and Josh Paddock at quarterback this year. And so there's going to be some adjustment there. But what Illinois is like really preaching right now is that there's a consistency and they're going to build on last season. And I think that's something that's been sorely missing in Champaign, whether it was Ron Zook kind of falling off the map after Illinois got to the Rose Bowl in 2007 or what have you. I think that this program is emphasizing consistency. And I think that they look at the Big Ten West this season as something that could potentially be wide open. Wisconsin is in, ushering in a whole new air raid offense. Like that's so crazy yeah. to think that right. running you could right. potentially have that. You've got Penn State, who has an unproven quarterback. You've got Minnesota, who's got an unproven quarterback. You've got Iowa, who struggled to score points last season. I mean, you have all of these things that kind of work out where Illinois feels like they potentially have an avenue into the Big Ten championship game. And I personally can see it. It wouldn't shock me. There's probably four teams in the West. It would not shock me if they got into that championship game. But what Illinois is most concerned about and what they keep preaching is just how consistent everything is becoming in champion. And that seems to be the mission from everybody that I spoke to about the program. 
that's actually been lacking those last couple of regimes. So, like you said, with the Zook area, you thought that maybe they would build something, but after that Rolls Royce appearance, but it kind of, you know, suddenly fell off. We saw what happened with Lovey Smith when he was there, just couldn't get really get it going. So we'll see if they can uh, sustain that success. Now, staying in that Big Ten West, James, uh, Wisconsin, like you said, they're doing Otolio, Luke Fickles you know, there now, coming from Cincinnati. They know how they do the, they, they, you know, they've done the air raid offense there. Totally different from Wisconsin. They go, you know, the, the, it's not going to be the running back. It's not going to be the emphasis there as it always has been, you know, through, I think, like three or four regimes. So what do you think? Do you think Wisconsin kind of be, you know, get back to that, you know, near the top of that big, big 10 West? What I will caution about just solely thinking they will throw the ball. Yes, they're going to have a lot of really good wide receivers. They've got Kymeri DK still in town. They've got Skylar Bell. They got some really intriguing transfers. I think that Wisconsin's going to throw the ball plenty with Tanner Mordecai. Like that is all. Phil Longo loves to throw the football with his offenses, and that is why Mm -hmm. Luke Fickle brought him to Camp Randall. And I think that we are going to see a lot of that. What I will caution, though, is that they still have a really good running back room. Braylon Allen could potentially be a day two draftee at the running back position. I think he had a fantastic season last year, could be poised for another one this year. The thing that I wonder with Wisconsin is just they're going to have to find the right balance, right? They're going to have to find that ability to how, how often are they going to throw the football versus running it? And I think that that's something that I'm really curious about with Wisconsin, because I think that they've really spoken a lot about that urge and that need to throw the football, but finding the right balance of that with their running attack, I think is going to be really critical. And I think that when you look at their schedule this season, who are their crossover games? They've got Rutgers, right? They've got Indiana. Those are both very winnable games for the Badgers. And then they also have a just a pesky game at Camp Randall in late October against Ohio State. So I think that Wisconsin has the schedule that they need. A lot of their tough games are at home this season. I think Illinois is probably their toughest road conference test of the season, perhaps Minnesota later in the year. I think that Wisconsin, so long as they can stay healthy, can find that balance and really compete in the West. It's just a matter of whether or not Tanner Mordecai will be able to deliver when the lights turn on at Camp Randall. You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago, the Friday edition. Sid Lakina hanging out with you. We're talking with James Savoy of NBC Sports Chicago. Before we move on, James, I want to go back to ask you about Michigan. Of course, there are stories out there about Jim Harbaugh potentially being suspended for four games for quote unquote recruiting violations, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> Laughing out loud. But do you think that Michigan, uh, the way their season ended last year uh, in the surprise shootout loss to TCU, do you think they have enough to uh, get back to the to the um, college football play on perhaps the championship game? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, you still have Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, right? Like that's a yep. <laughs> that's a tandem that's going to really uh, rival anybody mm-hmm. in college football. You've got J.J. McCarthy who played really well at quarterback last season and is coming into this year as the undisputed starter, and he's going to have full command of that offense. I think that where you have kind of fair questions about Michigan right now is you kind of look at their wide receiver room. You kind of wonder who's going to step up. They didn't really add a ton of guys in the transfer window at those positions. I think that it's definitely 
worth asking if they've got enough pass catchers to really allow McCarthy to be successful, especially early on. I think you'll figure some things out here and there, but I think there's some real questions there. Their offensive line is a few questions too. I think left tackle is going to be a really interesting position to look at. Ladarius Henderson looks really good. I think he could really make some noise there. I think what's going to carry Michigan though, and why they're still the favorites in the East and in the Big Ten as a whole is McCarthy, but I also think it's that defense that really has just so many weapons and that great history of churning out, especially edge rushers, and I do think they are going to continue to do that and I think that being in the east yes they are going to have a really tough schedule they've got to go their last three games two of them are against Ohio State and Penn State right like that is going to be where their season is going to be made or lost and so I think that the fact that both of those games are later in their schedule is really going to benefit the Wolverines and allow that offense to kind of gel and to get set and I think they've proven over the years that they have that ability to find those proper uh, playmakers both at wide receiver and on their offensive line I, I think that's why they are the favorites, and I think that's why I would consider them to be that favorite to get into the college football playoff yet again. Where does put Ohio State? Because we know about Marvin Harrison Jr., but the thing is that we don't know who's going to throw him the football. So, you know, I think, you know, <laughs> you think you know, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, you know Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, we know he's probably going to be a top five pick, you know, next year. And I'm wondering, like, you know, who's going to throw, who's going to, th- who's going to throw him the ball? And you know, the running backs. I mean, they are very solid. You know, with that Buckeyes and that defense, but a little bit of a question mark last year. So, where do you think Ohio State's going to be this this season? I'm going to call you Lakina Day because you're talking about the quarterbacks, just like Ryan Day has been doing, where he's just like, <laughs> give us anything. He probably has no clue himself. <laughs> he has no clue himself. <laughs> he's going to start. Oh my gosh. He literally was like, he's been so evasive about this whole thing. And it's been so hilarious to watch. And look, I I think it's going to be Kyle McCord who is going to end up being the quarterback. I know it's really weird for Ohio state to like, be like, well, we don't know. And they're the number, you know, three, four team in the country, depending on what ranking you're looking at right now. But I think ultimately what carries Ohio state is just the fact that not only do they have Marvin Harrison, who is a phenomenal wide receiver, they also have Emeka Ibuka, who could potentially be a top 10 pick himself. Mm-hmm. Like, how many teams have had two wide receivers that could be drafted in the top 10? I think maybe Alabama has had it at one point. Like, this is almost unheard of in college football to have those kind of pass-catching weapons. Kate Stover is no slouch. He's a redshirt senior at mm-hmm. tight end. He can catch the ball. And then, oh, yeah, they've got Mayan Williams and Trevion Henderson both at running back. Like, it's just oh, it's yeah. an overflow <laughs> of riches that the Buckeyes have. The one question that I definitely have about this team is whether or not their offensive line is going to be good enough to stop some of the pass rushes that they're going to be facing. We already mentioned Michigan has that ability to continually generate pass rush. Penn State has Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson. Both of them could be first round picks in the NFL draft, right? Like this, the line that Penn State returns is crazy. I think the Buckeyes, like they've got as good a shot as anybody, of course, to beat Michigan and get back in the playoff. I think the quarterback question is going to resolve itself based on what we've seen out of Columbus. And I think that Ryan Day's already got a pretty good idea of how that's going to shake out. It's going to be a matter of keeping that quarterback upright. And that, I think, is the big question facing the Buckeyes as they head into the season. Let's transition over to hockey now. James, of course, a Blackhawks chairman, Rocky Wurst, passed away earlier this week at the age of 70 due to an illness. Uh, what's your, what were your thoughts of, uh, about Mr. Wurst? Um, what were your initial uh, feelings about when you heard the news about him passing? And what's his legacy going to be um, as uh, the Hawks continue in this transition now, especially after drafting Connor Bedard? 
I, I think that there's a weird kind of poetic symbolism to all of this where Bill Wirtz, uh, Rocky's father, died right as the team was bringing Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves into the fold mm-hmm. and ushered in mm-hmm. this new era of Blackhawks hockey. And I think that they needed somebody like Rocky to kind of be a visionary and to see how are we going to make this team relevant on the national stage. We've got to get them on local TV. We've got to get fans invested. We've got to invest money into the team itself. They quickly became one of the biggest spenders in free agency after Bill Wirtz died and Rocky took over. They brought in, everyone remembers uh, Marion Hosa, but it was really mm-hmm. Brian Campbell and Cristobal yeah. and Joel Quenville. Like they went out and got these really high ticket items. And no, they didn't necessarily work out in the best of ways in the cases of Huey and to a lesser extent Campbell, but it showed that they were serious about being competitive. And Rocky Wirtz kind of was the impetus behind a lot of that. They, uh, He and John McDonough got the Winter Classic here in 2009. Like there was just this concerted effort to elevate the profile of the Chicago Blackhawks. And Rocky Wirtz was a very, it was a very smart business decision on his part to do it the way that he did. And you saw with the sellout streak that that team got, the TV ratings that that team generated, the three Stanley Cups. I think that those are all, a very important part of Rocky's legacy, but you also cannot forget the Kyle Beach scandal and Brad Aldridge. I think that a lot of folks tend to view it in this way where you either have to focus on the one or the other, whether it's the hockey or whether it's the scandal. And I think that the thing that we've all learned as we've gotten older and you see the gray hair on my head, you know that I'm definitely <laughs> not a spring chicken <laughs> in that way. But I will say that the one thing we've learned is that legacies are very complicated and you have to consider the full of it to really kind of get at the truth of it. And I think that Rocky's legacy is going to be a complicated one. There were plenty of positives, and I think it is very important that we articulate those things. There were also the negatives, and I don't think we should sweep those under the rug either. But I think there's a middle road that we can kind of find. And that was kind of the first thing I thought, right, was just to get another reminder of how complicated legacies are and what we leave behind when we leave this world. So that was really what kind of jumped to me right away was just all of the highs and all of the lows of his uh, ownership of the Blackhawks. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Definitely a, a delicate balance there. Now, what is the, what does he think that that leaves, you know, Danny, his son, does he take over as the chairman? Does, do they bring someone from with, you know, from the outside? Do they promote from within? What do you, where do you think the future you know, goes from here in that position? It does seem as though they would want to keep the team in the family. I think that Danny initially was very reluctant to get involved as his father was getting older and he wanted to kind of focus on the Wirtz beverage business, which kind of has, you know, made the team, made the family their fortune, to be completely honest with you. Um, but I think that it, over the years, Danny has kind of taken a more proactive approach in terms of running the Blackhawks and bringing in Jamie Faulkner was another really good example of that, of trying to establish a new culture with the team in Chicago, especially in light of what happened with Brad Aldridge and the Kyle Beach situation. I think that Danny is going to kind of continue to try to push the team forward into new areas. I think that they they realize that in order to remain relevant on the Chicago sports scene, they more so than any of the other four, team, four major teams, I should say, in town, they have to win to be relevant. They have to have star power to be relevant. That is just... The nature of the game of hockey in the city of Chicago, you have a lot of other options when it comes to your eyeballs and your attention and most importantly, your dollars. And I think that Danny Wirtz recognizes that challenge. I think he appreciates that challenge. And that's why I do think he's going to take on a more active role. And it would not surprise me at all if he were to become kind of the chairman of the team and really kind of put his stamp on this organization. 
Uh, last moment or two with our guy James Navola of NBC Sports Chicago right here on Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago and Sid Lakina hanging out with you here on the Friday. James, I know you're the co-host of the Cubs Talk podcast. You, you can find that wherever you get your, get your podcast, of course. I said on the show last week uh, before the start of that seven-game home stand for the Northsiders, they had to go at least five and two to perhaps change the minds of Jed Hoyer and GM Carter Hawkins. They did that. Of course, now they're on the current six-game winning streak. They took care of my White Sox. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that alone, but they took care of the Cardinals for the first of the four gamers uh, on the four-game series on the road last night. What do you think that Cubs management will do between now and next Tuesday with the trade deadline ends? I'm sorry, Sydney. Do you want me to tell you what I think they should do or what they will do? Because those are two different things. Mm-hmm. Which would you prefer? Uh what they will do. Okay. What I think they will do is I think they're going to try to add at least a bat. I think that they recognize that the starting pitching market is going to be really competitive. I'm not sure they're going to want to shell out the resources that would be required to land one of the starting pitchers that is going to be potentially available. I think they would like to do that. I think that the uh, Drew Smiley situation really underscores how important that would be for the Cubs to have that depth of pitching. I think they're very confident with Justin Steele and Kyle Hendricks and even Marcus Stroman, even though he really has struggled the last few weeks. I think that they really think that he'll be able to turn it around and kind of refine that ability. So I think that what they're going to focus on is a bat. And I think that they would probably go in the direction of like, say, a Dan Vogelbach type of player who could play first base and has a lot of slug to his game. I think the Cubs would really like that. They would love to bring back Jimer Candelario. I think that would be just an ideal fit for them. The price is going to be high on him because a lot of teams really would love to have his ability to hit at that third base position, which is something the Cubs really have lacked all season long. So I think those are the most likely things. What I keep saying they need to do is they need to find somebody who is going to help make them competitive in 2024 and beyond. And that's why I think they should be at least kicking the tires on some of these guys who are maybe on longer term contracts that could potentially be available. I know Nolan Arenado, the Cardinals, like they're way out of it. They're really needing to kind of refine their focus. If they are all willing to move on from him, the Cubs have to make that call. I know they're a rival, but they have plenty to offer to the Cardinals, including the salary relief with that. So that's the kind of big thinking I think they should do. But I think a guy like a Vogelbach or a Candelario would be a more likely scenario since the price tag would be lower, but the impact would still kind of be there. Okay, last question for me. What do you think the Cubs, what do you think the Cubs should do? Just think big. Like, I I really think that selling, selling would have been like, yeah, the kind of obvious solution, right? The market for Marcus Stroman or Cody Bellinger would be there and losing them for nothing would just be an unacceptable abdication of responsibility. But I also think that the moves they made this last offseason, like getting Jamison Tyone, getting Dansby Swanson, re-signing Nico Horner and Ian Happ. None of those moves make sense for you to sell off pieces and then have to restart the clock on some of these acquisitions that they've made. I think that it's way more important for them to buy for the long term right now. And that's where their focus should be. I'm not saying that Candelario or Vogelbach wouldn't help them or even potentially help them next season. What I'm saying is dream big Cubs. If you want to open a new competitive window, the lineup that you have right now doesn't have enough star power in it to ensure its success. And I think that is something there are teams out there. I mean, the Padres, the Mets, 
the Cardinals, they all have star power the Cubs could potentially leverage and exploit to really accelerate this thing. So when guys like PCA get here next year, you're hitting the ground running and you're threatening to win 90 games if you make moves like that right now when these teams are desperate to potentially unload some assets. That's what the Cubs should be doing. All right, that's been Jason Novot of NBC Sports Chicago. Of course, he's a co-host of the Big Ten Country Podcast. He's also the co-host of the Cubs Talk Podcast. You can catch him on Blackhawks coverage on there as well. You can follow him on Twitter, X, at James Novot. Once again, at James Novot on the Twitter, Twitter X, I guess what Elon, Elon Musk is calling it right now. So go follow him there. Yeah, James, man, thank you. All of that. <laughs> right, yeah. Don't James, uh, James. Yes, thank you for joining us. Much continued Thanks. success and uh, congratulations on the new gig with the Big Ten Country Podcast. We'll definitely be listening every week. And um, don't be a stranger to come back yeah, into this program. I mean, my DMs are always open, guys. I am verified on Twitter, so send them away. You can invite me. <laughs> All right. Thank we'll you, James. You have a great Thanks, weekend. James. Stay safe. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. All right, that was James Nouveau from the NBC Sports Chicago. Now we got our girl, Christine Manick of KXRB, Wayne on deck, but we're going to towel off here for a second and stretch, and including uh, a, a big trade. Yeah, actually, actually uh, less than 10 minutes ago, a big trade involving the White Sox came across the wires. We'll talk to Christine about that and a whole lot more. Lakina McGee, City Brown, Second City Sports, on Sports Social Chicago. Our girl, Christine Manick, coming up right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks, they can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration.
Hey, this is Dr. J, and I listen to Sean and Maya in the morning. Welcome back to Second City Sports, <laughs> our Friday fun, fun Friday edition. We're live in the living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. This is our last break of, of the show for today and for the weekend. You can follow Yoshi on the Twitter X and the IG at CKID. Once again, it's CKID. That's S I D K I D A zero. S I D K I D A zero. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter X, I guess. <laughs> 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 McGee on the IG. Yeah. There's to that Elon Musk. But anyway, anywho, anywho. we have less than uh, less than 25 minutes left of this extravagance we call a sports talk radio show. Those last minute questions or comments in the comment section, you can put them in there at Sports on Chicago's Facebook page, Sports on Chicago's Facebook page, or at Sports on Chicago YouTube. As you mentioned, type in those questions or comments in the comment section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Okay, she's back for her bi-weekly bi- 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 visit for this time of year. Easy for me to say. She's a girl, <laughs> uh, one of our, our besties, yo, the lovely, the talented, Miss Christy Medic from KXRP. Christine, how are you? Hey. How are you? Good. Uh, it's been a very busy Friday, uh, especially for your rice sauce, Christine. And uh, this, this tray actually, well, it's not official yet, but it has come across the wires. It's according to... Uh, Joel, Sherm- Joel Sherman and, uh, and Ken Rosenthal. The Dodgers are close to an agreement to acquire both Lanslin and Joe Kelly from the White Sox. Hasn't Get him out of here! <laughs> yeah, hasn't been official yet, but it looks like there's optimism that there could be a deal in place within the next few minutes. So, what do you think, Christine and me, especially with the Giolito and Ronald Lopez going to the Angels? Yeah. But yeah, what, what, what are your thoughts on these? Personally, I like Joe Kelly. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but I like Joe Kelly. So the the fact that he could be going back to where where pretty much started for him, the Dodgers, mm-hmm. I would be okay with that, knowing he's going back to where he's where he came from. But I think that would be kind of a a big asset for the White Sox to lose. Um, and then when it comes to Giolito, we we've been talking about this for a long time now about him being traded. But we didn't know exactly when. We didn't know where he was going to go. Um, so the fact that he's going to Chris's team and he's going back home—that's kind of that's kind of fitting for him too. It seems like a, it seems like he's got a little bit of a of a personal life issue going on. Um, I I don't know what it is, but it just seems like there's some stuff going on that has to take precedent with family. So if he needs to go anywhere, that's the team to go. Go back home. Uh, Christine, uh, just to focus on the on the field um, for the White Sox, I know it's very hard to do, especially so far mm-hmm. this year. But mm-hmm. I was at the game on Tuesday against the Cubs. They had their chances, but Yo Johan Makata got a, a grand slam taken away from him. Of course, on Wednesday they blew they blow a five run lead in the fifth inning. It, it just got ugly. But mm-hmm. from from your outsider's perspective, do you think as a team uh, as a whole that they, that team is quit? Or do you think you still have some players in there that are still trying to find to uh, to at least be professional? I wouldn't say that they quit. The term that I would use is more lost. There, there was so much hype with Griffol and this team and saying how we're going to have, you know, Tim Anderson leading the way. We're going to have Eloy. 
you know, Mankata, everybody pretty mm -hmm. much. And I think the hype for the season, it, it's now leading to its expectation. And uh, we, I've heard this a couple of times being thrown around that Pedro Grafal has, has bit off more than he can chew, so to speak. It's difficult when you're coming to, into a team that's not necessarily your own. Um, you know, we, we have players on here that's never worked with, with Pedro be before, but he knows how to relate to them better, better than the Johnny Cash lookalike, as I like to call him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like it, it was, it was Tony that, that got all those players in the White Sox organization now, and Pedro's just kind of, kind of coming into it. So it's difficult, but it's not your team that you're working with. <laughs> Will yeah. that be different come next year when you're when you're actually making decisions and you're actually figuring out where I see this team going? It could definitely be different. But I think just because of how much talent was on the team going into the season, there was a lot of expectations for it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, who do you think else? Who do you guys think is good, probably going to be on the move? I know uh, Eloy. You know, Eloy could be on the move. I've seen some real trade rumors about him. Maybe Tim Anderson. I know he's been playing a little bit better lately, and yeah, I think he yeah. needs mind. I think he wants to get out of town too. So, what do you guys think, Yo, Christina? I'll start with you. Who else do you think could be on the move for the Sox? He's next. Gee, you know, I would think probably the next one would be Tim Anderson. Um, but you gotta, you gotta make something a little bit more convincing. Or if if they feel like the guy is is worth too much for what exactly his performance is. I could see them getting rid of Eloy in all honesty, just because he, he's had a lot of, a lot of different injuries over his time with the White Sox. And if they feel like they got to move on for him, they got to move on. I will say these two names, I don't think you're going to get much for this first play I'm going to mention, but I think he, he could be a good backup, and that's Yasmani Grandal. Uh, he, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Of course, they picked up their catcher of the future, I believe, in that trade with Giolito the other day. So I can see Grandal uh, be the next one to go. You're not going to get much for him, but you get a lower-level prospect. I can see that happening. But I think, realistically, I think the next one is Kendall Graveman. Uh, he's a very good reliever, but he cannot close. He has to, he has to do that currently because of Lee Hendricks' injury. But I think Kendall Graveman could be the next one out of here. In a sneaky way, I think Grandal could be the, also the next one to get go, to go. But I think I, I think that Graveman will be the next one, especially if this trade goes down between uh, Lance Lane and Joe Kelly to the Dodgers. It depends on who the uh, who his Sox get back, of course. But assuming that this deal goes through today or over the weekend, I think Kendall Graveman could be the next one to go between now and Tuesday. I can, I can see. I think Graveman is more of a middle reliever. He's not. He's not a yeah. reliever. So I think he could definitely. There are a lot of teams we talked about them earlier. Said so there are a lot of teams that could definitely use a certificate. Christine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, let's switch gears here. We're getting a little depressed. All this White Sox trade talk. Right? <laughs> let's let's liven it up and talk some uh, NFL. Of course, you know training camps are starting. We'll start with the Bears first because I get what I want to get your thoughts, Christine, about. You know, yes, they haven't done the padding, and they won't do that till next week. So, from what you've seen or what you've heard, you know, what how, what, do you, what do you like so far? So, so what do you like about the Bears so far in these uh, these workouts, Christine? I think it's very smart that they signed Cole Komet to a, a four year deal. I was hoping that they would keep him on. I think he's a strong player. He could be a potential leader 
for the team going forward. So I think that's a great move. I thought their first day of school pictures were adorable. I will say that. <laughs> that, yes. that, was, that was really cool to see. Um, and so far, I, I haven't seen anything terrible. Um, it, it, I, I heard the other day that Fields was, was really getting his timing matched with the players on the field, that his footwork is matching the timing of his receivers, his tight ends, whoever he's throwing the ball to. So that's promising to see. And he's the first quarterback for the Bears to crack the NFL top 100 list at number 86. So that's pretty that's pretty impressive, too, in itself. So I, I have confidence in Fields that he could turn something around this year. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about Chase Claypool at the moment just because he was temporarily not playing on the practice squad at the moment. What that means, I don't know. And he he just seems like he may not potentially be the best fit for the Bears after all. Um, but we'll we'll have to just figure out how, how the start of the season goes to see how he kind of fits in that dynamic. Uh, I'm with you, Christine. What as far as uh, Justin Fields, hopefully is someone told him to practice sliding in the offseason. I know you, you oh, alone, geez, the rest of us. Are throwing the ball. Well, that yeah, too, that's but you know, that's slide that's whenever you run. You know, I, I get it. You want to fight for extra yards, but uh, practice sliding uh, just a few times more. I, th- I think that will help as well. And for the record, for those of you new listeners and viewers, Christine does not, I repeat, does not hate Justin Fields. So I if you know, want to come after her, we'll tell you I where just, to go. I just, everyone, uh, there were people that were hyping up saying, wow, look at the rushing yards that he has. I'm like, gee, that'd be great if he was a running back, but he's not. Like, he's got to be <laughs> able to throw the ball. That was my only thing. So I hope I see a lot more throwing out of him. Yeah, and I think that's going to really going to be the key. Hopefully, you know, look, we saw with, you know, with DJ Moore and, John Mooney and the, of course, but we'll see about Chase Claypool as a whole different conversation. So we'll yeah. see what happens with that. Now, what about the defense? You know, so far we know that Jalen Johnson, he wants that big payday brisker. Some of the guy, you know, Kyler Gordon, who they drafted last year. What do you think about the defense? You know, do you like what you see? Do they need a pass rush, get that pass rush going? What do you think? Gee, it sounds really familiar with asking for, um, for more money on the defensive side. Cause that's what kind of happened last year with the bears uh, when, when it came to the, the training camp. So I just hope that they're stronger to, to actually, you know, um, backfields up for the last couple of years, especially when, when, uh, when, when Matt Nagy was still the coach, the defense was strong. I believe the height of that defense was when they were at the number three spot in the NFL. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. to see something like that again for, for Eberflus this time around. Um, but, but again, what I saw last year on the field, I saw puny defenders out on that field. There was, I did not see a strong bone in that line. So I'm hoping that a couple of the guys beefed up a little bit and I'm hoping with these new prospects, they're going to also, um, turn up the, the line a little bit more too. Yeah. Going back to baseball, Christine, of course, now with the trade with the Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez to the angels, of course, we all know what Shohei Otani did in that doubleheader win against the Tigers yesterday. Uh, realistically, I know this is your soon-to-be husband's team, but soon-to-be husband's team, but 
realistically, how how much of a chance do you give the Anaheim Angels to make the playoffs? Currently, they're four games behind the last spot in the AL wild card race. And, of course, uh, we don't know if they're going to make any more moves, but we know for sure now that Shohei Otani will not be traded. I didn't think it was going to get traded right. anyway because uh, that, that would have been too much of a package from many teams to hurt, try to hurry up and gather and try to make a trade uh, on such a hard deadline. But what percentage would you give the Anaheim Angels of making the playoffs now, especially with these moves, like I mentioned, with Giolito and Renato Lopez joining the team now? Higher than the White Sox percentage, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw, I read something the other day from Lucas Giolito saying that he is just thrilled to have a teammate like Oatani to, to learn a little bit more from him in a way and mm-hmm. to just kind of feed off of, off of that energy. Um, the fact that they're not trading Shohei, which uh, I I didn't think that they would trade trade him mm-hmm. just because that deadline is is so precise. Um, it shows with them getting more strong starting pitchers, more bats. It, it shows that I think they're actually serious about making the making the postseason in or, in order to keep Shohei on the team. Because if they don't, then Shohei's going to move on. Where is he going to move on to? I don't know, but. Then again, there could be the other aspect of it where, you know, I saw Anaheim Field. I saw the stadium and gosh, they love Shohei. I, I mean, seriously, yeah. you, you have people from all over just just coming to to see this guy perform. So I think just because of the fan base alone and, and just because how they treated Shohei, there could be a little bit of, of, of a of a hard over a head kind of thinking for Shohei, seeing all all the love and support that that he's getting from Am- from Anaheim and just, you know, how much the organization loves him and how much money he's probably making the organization and, and vice versa. So if they can at least make it to the postseason, I think there's a chance that they're going to keep Shohei around a little bit longer. If not, then, then there's got to be some thinking to do on both sides, I think. Yeah, we'll see. And I know you want to stay close to Japan, of course, you can easily travel back and forth. So Right. If you're the if you're the Cubs or the Yankees, I mean you want to at least, you know, go for it, you know, try to bid on it, but I don't know if he'll, you know, take either or maybe if they all, either yeah. one of them offers more money, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, the- Again, that population, especially the the Asian community over there, that's a that's a strong like yeah. that that's a strong mm-hmm. community. And I saw that firsthand at, at the field. So yeah, that's going to be a tough sell, I think, for anybody like that. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's switch over to, back to the NFL because I want to pay off these teases. Um, Dalvin Cook, you know, a veteran running back who is on the market right now uh, looking for a new team. Now, remember, folks, a couple of days ago, Aaron Rodgers actually took a pay cut, $35 million pay yeah. cut to, you know, get back into the cap. So that's why, you know, Dalvin Cook is there. Apparently, I, I would not let him leave. You know, of course, I'm sure Mike Greenberg, you know, we love him, but I'm sure he's losing his mind right now. Should they get, you know, down the hook? Do you guys, do you guys think that they'll get a Christina start with you? Man, I wish Cook can come to the Bears. That's for sure. That would be nice to have a weapon like that on, on our side. Um, but I guess, look, if Aaron is, it was willing to, well, I don't think he was willing to take a pay cut, but it, at least he did it. It shows that. Maybe he would like to have an asset like Dalvin Cook on the team. Um, so that that's kind of interesting to see how that's going to unfold. Um, and we haven't even talked – well, we kind of talked about them being on hard knocks. So maybe he's trying to put on a good image for the hard knocks uh, 
series that's coming out. So lots of different sides of air in the last couple of years. I'm not sure what to think of this one. I don't know if he wants, if he genuinely wants Cook on the team or if this is just his way of playing nice for a little bit longer. Well, Roger said this isn't uh, it's not a one year deal, so he's going to yeah. be around for at least two years. So that's good. If you're a Jets fan, that's great to hear. But but I think Delvin Cook will help out that running game for the Jets. Remember, Brees Hall now second year running back. He tore his ACL last year, so he's still working his way back from that. So if they add, add Delvin Cook, that's a great one two punch, and so you, mm-hmm. that's definitely going to help out Aaron Rodgers, of, of course. Exactly. So. so uh, the, the Jets are expected to, to do great things this year. Of course, we, we all know about their defense. You saw what they did against the Bears last year, even though they didn't have Justin Fields. But regardless of, of the point, the Jets were 7-4 last year. They were led by the young defense, but Zach Wilson uh, poo-pooed down his pants, and uh, there went their season. So uh, there's a lot of expectations for the Jets this year. I think that if they do add Delvin Cook, uh, their chances will increase even more to make the playoffs. Buffalo's still the class at that division. They have their own little issues, but right now the Jets on paper, they're number two behind Buffalo in the AFC East. Definitely going to be a battle between those two teams. Now, some more NFL news. Uh, Sean Payton got into, well, sticking with the Jets, I mean, apparently Sean Payton got into a little bit of a hot water. He basically said, of course, Nathaniel Hackett, who was, you know, of course, he's the Broncos coach now. And of course, Hackett was a coach last year. And he said that, I guess, you know, the worst coaching job ever. He made no secret when he was working at, working at Fox. So, and of course, here, Robert Sala, of course, Jets head coach said, hey, look, I'm not really paying attention to what he said. I mean, you know, whatever. But it's just a little bit crazy how kind of all that sort of um, transpired. And I think, I don't know how you guys feel felt about those comments that he made, but I kind of felt like he was trying to kind of take the pressure off Russell Wilson because I think he knows that he Wilson needs a, definitely needs a turnaround this year. And I think if not, there's going to be a lot of people in Denver, especially going to want to want him out of time talking about Wilson. So what do you guys think about Sean Payton's comments? Sid, I'll start with you. Oh, that was very entertaining to say the least. As the old saying goes, there's truth in a, in a lot of humor. And of course, like you said, Sean Payton had a firm role seat working on TV at Fox last year. So he got to see it firsthand. Because, like we say all the time, Lakina, players talk throughout the league. So, so do coaches as well. So uh, uh, the numbers don't lie, the, the film don't lie. <clears throat> so we saw that Denver office was putrid uh, last year. Of course, Russell Wilson had his hand in there. Of course, uh, we all know some of the stuff he did behind the scenes, which didn't help team unity, but that's a whole other issue. But that different office was putrid last year. Uh, they barely had a running game. Uh, that system, whatever the hell that system was, it, it didn't work for anybody. And I kept thinking back to what which Christine brought up a moment ago by Matt Nagy here in Chicago. We all saw what kind of office that was. It was a Big downturn, especially after losing to Philadelphia in that 2018 uh, wild card game. Their offense for the Bears just got worse as the years went on. And that's no, that one of the reasons why Matt Nagy is not here. And that's one of the reasons why Mr. Bisky is not here. So uh, when I heard that, I thought it was entertaining, but it was a lot of truth that came out of it. And I just thought, uh, secondly, I thought back to how Matt Nagy just pissed away uh, that whole offense uh, his last couple of years in Chicago. But the meme will live on forever. Right. That's true. That's true. With Nagy's face just dropping. <laughs> right. <laughs> what, do think about, what do you think about uh, Sean Payton's comments, Christine? I, I thought it was typical Sean Payton. And, you know, he always makes things interesting and entertaining. He's not a, a stone-cold entertainment like uh, Belichick is, but he's his own type of, of entertainment. 
Um, I don't know. I think he just wants to keep. I think he wants to keep everyone's head in the game, if that makes sense. I don't mm-hmm. think he wants to necessarily put a player's name out there on the media necessarily just because he is still trying to develop the team a little bit. And I think with big personalities like Wilson and Peyton, I think they're just trying to find a way to work together without trying to get a media influence involved. That's my interpretation of it. Makes sense. What what else? Uh, and, oh, and uh, of course the uh, the Lance Lynn Joe Kelly trade to the Dodgers is official. So mm. uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Bob Knight and Gail and uh, Ken Roosevelt just uh, reported that. So you know, well, we'll see what what they get in return. I'm talking about the White Sox. So, but yeah, the the Lance Lynn Joe Kelly trade to the Dodgers is now official. Um, Jalen Ramsey, another uh, that just came across the road according to Ian Rappaport. He did uh, Jalen Ramsey did you know, completely tear his meniscus. So. They're saying that December, well, we'll see once they, once the, I guess once they you know, do the surgery, but apparently it will take him off the field for at least for the first half of this coming season. The best long-term health option for him is likely to strengthen his career. So that's a big loss for Miami. And I, you know, you thought that maybe Miami could perhaps maybe challenge Buffalo for the uh, AFC East, but this injury will definitely not help them in that front. But, uh, what do you guys think about some of this breaking news that, that I just, uh, you know, that just uh, said across the wires? I'm sad about Joe Kelly. I really did think that he was that he was a good asset for for the White Sox. So if if you're gonna go back anywhere, might as well go back to the team that dumped you in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just the, what you said? Yeah. Just. Yeah, just a couple of things. Items from Bob Nightingale's Twitter X account, uh, the official one, by the way. <laughs> uh, the Dodgers will have all will also have the right to pick up Lynn's eighteen and a half million club op, half million dollar club option, or a one million dollar buyout in twenty twenty four. So there's some financial decisions uh, there that the Dodgers will have have to make there. I don't know how much Joe. I think Joe Kelly's a free agent after the. End yeah. of the season. Mm-hmm. End of the season. So that if he doesn't work out for them, they'll can, as Christine said, we'll give him the boot again. So we'll we'll see what happens to that. Yeah. And don't forget too, the Dodgers could be one of those teams in for Shohei Shohei Otani in the offseason if mm-hmm. Shohei tells the Anaheim Angels to oh, go kick rocks. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll just see what happens with that. Now, any other uh, news you guys want to talk about before we disperse? And I'll say you guys some sports media news. Oh, let oh boy. What a coincidence is my internet starting to act up here. So I'll give the floor to Christine to see if she has anything else, uh, entertainment wise, work wise, anything to get off your chest before we disperse. Yeah, my, my thoughts go out to uh, Rocky Wurtz's family. That's a that's yeah. a tough loss. Right. Um, it's going to be um, interesting to see where where the organization goes from here. But yeah, that that's tough, especially when it's so unexpected like that. So wishing wishing the best and, and prayers over to to the Black Hawk community. And like our buddy uh, James Nuvo uh, said, it's going to be interesting to see like what do they do. I think does Danny Worth become the face like his father you know did you know for years like his grandfather did. You know you can tell he's come become a little bit more comfortable being in front of the camera. So. I'm wondering, like, we are, will they promote from within? Do they you know, bring an outsider to be the president? So it'll be interesting. That's going to be really going to be the interesting part. And uh, that the other you know, whole thing with 
Kyle Beach and then that whole yo know, saga. I mean, yeah, like like yeah, like we all say it, it's it's complicated, but you it's know, it's very we're, complicated. Yeah, we're, but we're through a lot of things. He, he got all the home games on television, something that his fa- his father didn't do. He kind of made you know he brought Pat Foley back. You know, he was very mm-hmm. you know very accommodated. Eddie, Eddie Ocheck when that whole thing kind of you know sort of dispersed at the end of the last season. So. You know, thoughts and prayers to Danny and the rest of the family. And, um, and you know, look, you know, we'll see what the Connor Bedard and how all that transpired in the next few years. But, uh, yeah, definitely expect the news that 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 happened, you know, in the middle of Tuesday night, early Tuesday night, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So all of us here at Second City Sports and Sports on Chicago would like to send our condolences to the Blackhawks uh, organization and the Words family on the passing of uh, Rocky uh Rocky Wirtz, uh, the uh, chairman of the Chicago Blackhawks. A couple of the uh, sports media news to pass along before we disperse, as Lakina would say. Alex Rodriguez is very close to signing an exclusive deal with Fox Sports. He's been splitting mm-hmm. duties for years with Fox and ESPN. And the CW, Lakina, uh, you know they're going to mm-hmm. uh, uh, televise some college basketball and football games uh, this fall. It looks like they're going to become the new home of the NASCAR's Xfinity series. For you racing yeah, def- there. yeah, definitely a different uh, tune from the early days of CW, right? They had Buffy and the original yep. charm. The Jamie Foxx show. Yeah, Steve Jamie Harvey Fox. show. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. You know, now they're doing, you know, live golf and uh, ACC football and basketball and now uh, the Xfinity series and NASCAR. So, uh, boy, mm-hmm. times have changed at the CW. So, uh, yeah, look, I commend them for wanting to go in a different direction, but uh, we'll see how this goes, you know. Figure it out, you know, for the contract because my CW affiliate here in Chicago, here in Chicago, our CW affiliate, we don't have really have anything right now. So you guys better figure it out. Next star and uh, Direct TV. <laughs> <laughs> do you have CW affiliates, uh, South Dakota, Christine? Yep, yep, we do. Okay, well, sir, I see a lot of NASCAR on your television yes. screen. <laughs> oh boy, there's going to be a South Dakota car coming up in the next races. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, oh, cool. yeah. That was just on. Um, uh, that was just uh, unveiled uh, the other day, actually. That car. Nice. Right. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. You know, they're. I like that NASCAR sport court. They had the race here in Chicago. Of course, you get they're going to be in the Dakota. So that's the you know look they're 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 expanding. So you got to commend NASCAR for that. Anything else said? You know, sports media. Excuse me, sports media wise. Uh, not sports media rights, but of course, uh, your show would be uh, at least at tomorrow night's a White Sox game against uh, the Cleveland Guardians. I'm going to tailgate, uh, uh, sponsored by the Chicago Sports Bums, their new podcast that, that popped up a few months ago. Of course, hopefully, we'll get uh, a couple of the, those guys on our program down the road. So, sis is going to get some free food and some entertainment, good and bad, tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> Free food, nonetheless. So you look, like, you know, win or lose, yeah. you get free food. So you know, you got, you know, you gotta love that. And then on that note, you follow me, Keenan McGee, on Twitter X. <laughs> Keenan's coming on the IG. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter X <laughs> and the IG at Sidkid eighty. Once again, at Sidkid eighty. That's S I D K I D A zero. S I D K I D A zero. Christine, where can the lovely people follow you on social media? You can follow me on just Twitter at cmanica underscore KXRV. She ain't uh, calling it X yet. You gotta go with the bird. It's still the bird. Of course, of course, you can listen to our show every Monday, every Friday at noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. On Sports on Chicago's Facebook page and Sports on Chicago on the YouTube channel. Of course, you can catch us 
uh, anytime you want at uh, War Media Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, anytime, anywhere. Yep, and make sure you can catch Sports on Chicago also available on Roku TV. So if you have a Roku television, download the uh, tap on the sports folder and download that Sports on Chicago app. If you don't have a Roku TV, any handheld device will do. Just go to the Google Play Store, download that Roku TV app, and access Sports on Chicago through that avenue. So celebrate the squad, get with the program. Sports on Chicago is now available on Roku TV 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, live and on demand. Anytime, anywhere. And you know we will provide. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, enjoy and stay, try to stay cool and dry out there. But I know it's hot pretty much yes. across the country. So you know, please stay cool. Enjoy all the sports. Of course, we've got baseball coming up. You know, well, I'm sure we'll have more trades to talk about next week. You know, in the yes. trade deadline. Uh, you can check out, of course, if you're into you know women's World Cup soccer. You know, check that out as that continues. You know, in a, in a pool play. Also, too, of course, WBA, uh, MLS, all the other great sports that are out there right now. Now, football's coming up, folks. You know, we want to, you know, it's coming, guys. It's coming. Oh, of course, we also, we got to thank our buddy, uh, NBC Sports Chicago, James Nouveau, here for yes. joining us today. Of course, you know, he said, he basically said he had no, he has no life. So, basically, we'll, we'll try to get him on <laughs> a little more often. <laughs> but even still, Forrest and Christine, I'm the Candace with Second City Sports on Sports of Chicago. And we'll see you Monday. Go socks. <laughs> How? I guess. <laughs> <laughs>